the Memorare. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help, or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly to you, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To you I come, before you I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in your mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. All across the Gulf South, it's 7 a.m. Time to wake up on Catholic Community Media. Good morning. You're listening to Wake Up on this beautiful Tuesday morning. We're so glad that you are tuning your heart to the truth with us. I'm Gabby Smith, along with Damian Collado and David Dawson. Hey, guys. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah. Should be. Yep. You're looking great. All bright blue there. Look at you. you. Merry blue. You got blue on. Yeah. Yeah, Today is a a feast day of Our Lady. And uh, we're going to start out with a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. O Lord, you taught St. Gabriel of Our Lady of Sorrows to contemplate the pains of your sweet mother, and by means of her raised him to the highest peaks of sanctity, grant to those through his intercession and example to live so united to your sorrowful mother so that to enjoy always her maternal protection. We ask this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. St. Gabriel of Our Lady of Sorrows, pray for for us. us. Pray for us. Not only does the Holy Spirit make the rundown, but he tells us what to wear so we can all be uh, color-coordinated today. So that's wonderful and fun. But we have some uh, events in our listening area we will give you details about at 10 after. You can find all of these events and so much more at our website at ccmedia.live. In 18 minutes, Deacon Brent Bourgeois joins us. He's a deacon over in the Diocese of Homa Thibodeau, and today he's going to be telling us his story to the diaconate and a call to vocations. So looking forward to Deacon Brent's story today. And in 35 minutes, Dr. Terry Ellis joins us. We love Dr. Terry and and hearing his story and what he Mm -hmm. does over at Chrysalis Interventions. Well, today, with our Conversion Corner segment that we have once a month, He's going to be telling us his story to the call to the Catholic faith, what drew him in to the church, um, and what he's doing now. So he has a very inspirational story. He'll be joining Damien and David in the Baton Rouge studio and looking forward to speaking to Dr. Ellis today. He is just a wonderful speaker and Mm -hmm. does great work in our area. So looking forward to that, looking forward to your weather report. Damien, how's today looking like? Well, it's going to be a warm day, but it's also going to be very windy, to say the least. A high is going to be 81. Cloudy skies throughout most of the day. No rain, though. Uh, Some sun popping in and out. Uh, The low tonight is going to be 68. Tomorrow, we may see some early morning showers, say about 40% chance with a high of 78. Interestingly enough, temperatures are going to drop around 12 o'clock lunchtime tomorrow. As I said, 78 is going to be about the high, 
But by the evening hours and overnight, it's going to be down to 48. Ah. So winter, when, winter is still trying to hang on. Yeah. Okay. 30% degree drop. Uh, wow. Or 30 degree Good drop job. from yeah. uh, hot, high to lows. Bottom line is temperatures in and around the area. This is interesting. I couldn't believe this when I uh, looked at the current temperatures. Gulfport at 65. Covington, 66. Home at Thibodeau, 67. Baton Rouge, 69, and New Orleans, 68. Everybody's one degree off from each other. Yeah, Thought that was interesting. (laughs) It is. Doesn't happen too often. And it feels good out there. Oh, yeah. It feels very nice. So great day to get out again to enjoy it. We got rain coming up, though, tail end of the week. So plan on that as well. Another cold front? Not a cool front. Cool. Okay. Not cold anymore. Not cold. All right. I don't don't (laughs) think we're going to get real cold temperatures. All right. Good. Yeah, it is good. All right, well, don't go too far because we have events. We also have your gospel and reflection coming your way. It's almost five after. Let's get started on this Tuesday morning. Good Tuesday morning, I'm Father Chris Decker, and today's gospel is taken from Matthew chapter 23. Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have taken their seat on the chair of Moses. Therefore do and observe all things whatsoever they tell you, but do not follow their example. For they preach, but they do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens hard to carry and lay them on people's shoulders, but they will not lift a finger to move them. All their works are performed to be seen. They widen their phylacteries and lengthen their tassels. They love places of honor at banquets, seats of honor in synagogues, greetings in marketplaces, and the salutation rabbi. As for you, do not be called rabbi. You have but one teacher, and you are all brothers. Call no one on earth your father. You have but one father in heaven. Do not be called master. You have but one master, the Christ. The greatest among you must be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. We've heard the gospel, and now we reflect. Today's gospel opens the grand finale in the conflict between Jesus and the scribes and Pharisees. Jesus addresses the crowds and his disciples, but his words, like a dagger pointing at the human heart, are aimed at these religious leaders of Israel. The severity of Jesus' language is consistent without of the prophets. It underscores the seriousness which Jesus condemns wrongdoing committed in the name of religion. In this expose of the corruption of the Jewish leaders, Jesus gives a warning to future Christian leaders, clergy, and laity alike to avoid the pitfall of hypocrisy and infidelity in their pastoral ministries. Pope Francis followed Jesus' lead when he gave a spine-tiggling address to the Roman Curia in which he addressed 15 shades of sin that too often characterize their ministry. Pope Francis also made it clear that these diseases and temptations do not only concern the Curia, but are a real danger to every Christian in every Curia, community, congregation, parish, and ecclesiastical movement, in short, to all of us. So let us examine just three of his observances. Number one, 
the disease of feeling immortal or essential. This manifestation of pride makes us feel superior to others rather than in the service of others. He suggested a visit to a cemetery might help us see the names of those who thought they were necessary and essential. Number two, the disease of excessive activity. This really hits home because Pope Leo XIII warned the American church about this very danger in 1899. We didn't listen. Being overworked and underprayed ruins vocations, utterly undermines our effectiveness as Christians and parents. It kills our spiritual life because we rely on ourselves, not God. Number three, the disease of gossip and chatter. People afflicted with this evil become like Satan sowing discord. They become the cold-blooded murderers of the reputations of others. The Pope called it the disease of cowards who do not have the courage to speak up front, so they talk behind one's back. And he warned us, watch out against the terrorism of gossip. There is no holy gossip. Have a wonderful day. This is Jimmy Sagers. Alrighty, 11 after the hour, and time for some events we'd like to share with you on this Tuesday morning. Now, in Baton Rouge, we parades are ongoing. I mean, we still have the St. Patrick's Parade coming up, but there's also another parade entitled Count Your Blessings Soup Parade. Oh, yeah. Now you go, what the heck is that? <laughs> I like that one. Well, it's the 29th annual, and you're pretty sure you already know what it is. St. Vincent de Paul, Count Your Blessings, Supper to Go. That's right. Chef John Foles has prepared a delicious creamy potato and shrimp soup. Mm. It's in two-pound frozen packs. It feeds four. And what you have to do is pre-order these online. There's only a limited amount that they're going to make. Here's where you go, svdpbr.org, svdpbr.org. When you put that into your uh, computer, it's going to take you right to the site where you can place your orders. And then what's going to happen is on March 15th, you go to Our Lady of Mercy, you drive up, parade style, grab your soup, and go. It's pretty quick. It's pretty easy. It's a lot of fun, too. And it's going to be Love very that. delicious, to yeah. say the least. So, yeah, that's true. Anyway, put that on your calendar. It sells out every year. You better get an early start. And uh, St. Catherine of Siena will be hosting a parish mission tonight. Our Catholic faith provides us all we need to be beacons of light in, of Christ's light in a world that is dark and challenging. The speaker, Greg Amon, is a Metairie native, and he's a retreat master at Manresa House, and he's going to lead the retreat. Uh, he leads retreats for small groups and days of reflection. And so the mission is tonight. It's from 7 to 8 p.m. It's at St. Catherine, Siena Parish. He did my retreat. Another event. Hey, really? Mm-hmm. Great. Oh, Great. well, another event that's taking place today is from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. at Mary Queen of Peace Catholic Church in Mandeville, Catholic Women in Action Lenten Morning of Reflection. That is today from 9 to 11. It's called Mary Mary Proclaims Christ's Mercy. Our Lady leads us to the mercy of her son. 
there will be a mass followed by the reflection given by Lisa Flood and then the Stations of the Cross. You can go to ccmedia.live for more information. All right, all you couples out there in the Metairie area, get your babysitter lined up and reserve a dinner spot for you and your spouse this Saturday at 7.30. It's going to be married couples who are invited to a special date night for you and your spouse to reconnect and kind of spend some quality time together. From 5 to 6.15, there's going to be a cocktail hour and appetizers in the Barrett Center at St. Catherine of Siena. That's going to be followed by a talk at 6.15 to 7. Then off to dinner you go, and by 9 o'clock you're home seeing the kids again. Nice. <laughs> or or bringing them home and putting them right to bed, one of the two, because they do have babysitters. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, sometimes you drop them off at the babysitter. That's right. That's and you right. forget to pick them up, and you go the next day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't want to no. hear that confession. Okay. <laughs> or, or, do I have time for one? I don't have time for one more. We Why will not? get to that event, because the music's playing, Damien. Now it's playing, but it wasn't. <laughs> Okay. All right. Got well. me all caught up in the babysitting thing. That was. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, with that being said, we're going to come back in just a little bit. We're going to have Deacon uh, Brent uh, Bourgeois, who is a deacon at St. Charles uh, Parish in uh, Diocese of Home Thibodeau, here on Waco. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for February 27th. Today we celebrate St. Gabriel of Our Lady of Sorrows. Brushes with serious illness, as well as the early death of his mother and his favorite sister, prompted today's saint to believe that he was called to religious life. He entered the Passionist Novitiate in 1856 taking the name Gabriel of Our Lady of Sorrows. Ever popular and cheerful, Gabriel sought to be faithful in little things. His spirit of prayer, love for the poor, consideration for the feelings of others, and his personal penances impressed everyone. As he prepared for the priesthood, Gabriel's superiors had great expectations, but after only four years of religious life, he developed tuberculosis. He patiently and quietly bore the painful effects of the disease and the restrictions it required. Gabriel died in 1862 at age 24. The parallels between his life and that of St. Therese, the little flower, are compelling. Both died of tuberculosis at 24, emphasized that sanctity lies in small acts of kindness, and were known for their cheerfulness. But there was one key difference. Therese left behind her autobiography, The Story of a Soul. Shortly before he died, Gabriel discarded notes he had been keeping on his spiritual life. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. It is 19 past the hour. You are tuning your heart to the truth. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our first guest is Deacon Brent Bourgeois. He's a deacon over at St. Charles Borromeo Parish over in the Diocese of Homa Thibodeau. And here at Catholic Community Media, we are strong advocates for vocations. And we love hearing about vocational stories, whether it's the call to the priesthood, religious life, or the call to the diaconate. And here, Deacon Brent is going to be telling us his story. Deacon Brent, good morning. Thank you for joining us today. Good morning from Bayou Lafouche. Hey. Hey, it's so good to have you with us today. To get us started, tell us your story. How did you answer that call? What was it? 
Well, actually, I never thought, you know, you know, I always wonder if you had a call. I never realized it would come on a pager. Uh, I was I was driving on Saturday and uh, my pager went off and it was directory and uh, I called and the priest asked me if I ever thought about becoming a deacon and I said well I said I I could tell you no but then I just have to confess that I lied to you in, in in confession so and I said but but I can't and he said why not I said well because I can't read and you know I can't talk into a microphone I, I I said I can't read that well I said I'm not a public speaker and he said, well, so far everything you said started with I. He says, why don't you go to these little meetings and let the Holy Spirit let you know? Hmm. Wow. And, uh, Amazing. And I, okay. guess, I guess you could say some of the rest is history. So, <laughs> Okay, well, I find it hard to believe that you're not a public speaker. Maybe you have just uh, grown well, accustomed to that because you <laughs> uh, have a wonderful radio voice, and so far I'm enjoying the interview. You're such a great speaker. So well, t- well, take I us through that hurdle. Brent Bourgeois has a distinct fear of microphones. <laughs> Deacon Brent Bourgeois can speak into any of them. I like it, that. It, that is it, good. Yes. It, it's a gift from the Holy Spirit, uh, trust me, because, like I said, I always look at myself and say, you know, if it wouldn't be for the Holy Spirit, I couldn't do any of the things that I do. Oh, my goodness. So so uh, you answered that call from your priest through your pager it must have been a really big call for him to even page you about that um but so what well, happened next take us of, through I that of, I, I did get rid of the pager after that but i mean uh, <laughs> uh but no uh my wife and i went to the uh inquiry meetings and you know it was kind of sketchy for me you know looking around the room and i mean I, at the time i was a welder and uh, looking around the room and everybody else was, I mean, professionals, you know, school teachers, principals, lawyers. Uh, I think we even had a doctor that was in the group at the time. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I just kept telling myself, that, you know, I, I don't think I belong here, but I kept going back. And uh, and I, and I got to say this, that if I ever get to meet Jim Swiler, Deacon Jim Swiler again, I have to ask him because I didn't ask him while he was alive, but we went for the uh, the 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 seminar on filling out the application. Hmm. And when he got to the, your employer, he said, okay, I don't want to know what kind of welder you are. I want to know what kind of person you are at work. And I don't think I heard anything else he said after that. My goodness. My goodness. Deacon Brent, this is uh, David Dawson. And I was just, uh, I'm, I'm dropping in here because I'm listening. And so you already were a welder. That's therefore you were wearing that pager. Are you working now or are you retired? Oh no, I'm still working. You're still but, working. Uh, God okay. called me. God called me out of the oil field, uh-huh. and uh, I have been a hospice chaplain now for the last 15 years. Oh my goodness, what what a what a difference, what a leap, huh? From being a welder to well, you know, I, I, and I'll say this: when you when you put your trust in God, He has great things for you. I mean, uh, He called me to this. I didn't even know this position existed, mm-hmm. and uh, I guess you could say I surrendered to Him one day, one night in adoration, and. And I got a call, and somebody said, "Hey, you know, I think you'd be a good hospice chaplain." My goodness! And we, 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 my wife and I beat that around for a little while, and then finally they came through and said, "Yeah, okay, we're going to do it." And yeah. I have never looked back. Wow! So, wow! Deacon Brett, this is Damien. Good morning to you. I love your story. Uh, how old were you when all this took place? And more importantly. What did your welding friends think about all this as you move <laughs> forward in the diaconate program? Well, 
Well, I guess at the time I had already started, uh, I guess, my reversion, you know, when we really started getting involved in the church. So, I mean, I had kind of become that kind of person. I mean, I was no longer, uh, I guess you could say, a citizen of the oil field. You know, the language had changed, the, the manner had changed, everything. So, I mean, I don't, I don't think they really saw any difference mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in me as a person, because I had already started to become that person that I needed to be, okay. that God was calling me to be. Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and as far as, how old were you at the time? Ah, uh, <laughs> Jeez, that's a long time ago. Uh, I was in my 40s, I guess. Okay. Uh, yeah. Because I, cause I am almost ancient now. So. No, but that's that's a pretty young age for, <laughs> it for is. not for so much today. Well, it seems like that's changing, but yeah. years ago, well, about it, your time, you, normally they waited till you were established fa- family man and your mm-hmm. kids were somewhat grown. Mm-hmm. Well, I was. I mean, we had, you know, I had four children. Uh, my son was, a, was, I think, 13 maybe at the time. And, uh, and, you know, we had, we had things going on. And I mean, my wife came to with me, came with me to, to most of the formation meetings, but, uh, you know, there was sometimes that, you know, mom had to stay home and bring, make sure the kids were where they needed to be. Right. So, right. so I could go out and, and, uh, pursue this vocation. Sure. The one thing I keep hearing, Deacon Brent, is your unity with your wife and how you guys were a team. Uh, you've mentioned her in various parts of this interview so far, and we're about halfway through it. But I want to know, what did your kids think whenever you told them that you this is the next step for you? Well, I guess oh, I'm going to say my son was the one that uh, we were sitting down. My, my daughters, I got three daughters and a son, and my daughters were all, you know, uh, kind of behind me. They were just worried because when people started hearing that I was in this, they said, you know, go, oh, Lord, and your dad's going to be a deacon, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. Uh, they worried about being judged, I guess. But I asked my son how he felt, and he said, I think it would be cool. Mm. Nice. And, and I, I mean, go. from that, I, you know, said it didn't look back, so... That's amazing. Well, we knew when I was in school, my math teacher eventually became a deacon, and his kids, we always thought his kids were cool because her dad was a deacon, so I think it's cool, so I'm there with your son as well. Um, so I want to circle back to your uh, hospital hospice chaplaincy. That is, you're one of those people that gives so many people hope that are in hospice. A lot of those people don't have family members visiting them. It's a very hard time for them. It's at the end of their life for many of them. Talk about that and how that's been a part of your diaconate. Well, I'm going to say this. I have so many people that tell me I've done so much for them. And the question that always comes up, and I I want to ask, what did I do? Uh, It's just, you know, I am a... I, I believe I, I love I love the lighter side of life. I am uh, famous for dad jokes or bad jokes, however you want to say them. Uh, I, I just you know I go in and I've had a medical director told me one day he said uh, he said look don't worry about these people just go in and tell them a joke make them smile and and you'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Now mm-hmm. And, and you know in that not everybody is able to smile when you go in. So I mean sometimes it's just walking with them. Uh, it's, it's, it's been a blessing. I'm going to tell you, uh, I am, I am now with the third hospice since I've started this because, you know, for, for different reasons, but, uh, but now I get to go walk in cause now I work for hope hospice and I walk, get to walk in and say, I'm Deacon Brent with hope <laughs> and I just drop it off right there. There you so. go. <laughs> 
Oh, amazing. Well, uh, you know, we have a couple of minutes left. Deacon Brent, uh, a word of advice or encouragement for men to maybe hear that call or kind of push forward if they have already heard that call to the diaconate. Any advice? Well, well, one thing is, uh, I had a friend in Baton Rouge. He's now a deacon there. And he asked me one day, he says, how will you know? And I said, you'll know when you know. <laughs> And after he was ordained, we was at a conference together, and he hugged me, and he says, guess what? I said, what? He says, I know. Mm. Uh, mm. If you're feeling called, I mean, don't, don't let everything in the, in, in the world bother you uh, or stop you. If, if God's not calling you, he's going to tell you that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we've, in, my, in my formation class, we had a couple of guys dropped out because they realized it wasn't for them. Uh, my... my a real quick uh, story of, of encouragement. The first night I went to class, because we used to go two nights a week, the first night I went to class, the next morning I had a pipe broke in my house, <laughs> and we had uh, two inches of water throughout the house and made me think, you know, am I, am I where I need to be? Yeah. And, and then I kind of made the decision to keep going until they tell me to stop, and then they, they never did. They just ordained us and stopped having classes, so... <laughs> <laughs> was it a metal pipe? Were you able to weld it? He can weld it. Yeah, that's the first thing I thought. <laughs> no, it was, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was plastic. Oh, shoot. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was finally got, I finally got fixed, and the insurance fixed the floors and all of this stuff, and, oh, and we kept goodness. going. And just to let you well, know, in five years, like I said I was still in the oil field, in five years of working, and I was kind of on call. I did a lot of road work for the company, and in five years, only once, did work try to interfere with mm. with me going to oh. class? Wow. Okay. And, wow. And, well, and when I made I made one I made one little phone call and the company took care of it. They supported me and 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 in the whole endeavor. So wonderful, Deacon Brent Bourgeois, Deacon of the Diocese of Homotibo, St. Charlesboro Mayo Parish. Thank you so much, Deacon Brent, for joining us. Htdiocese.org is where you can go to find out more information more information stay with us dr terry ellis will be in the studio with damien and dave to talk about his conversion to the catholic faith it is half past the hour on wake up folks 35 after the hour happy tuesday everyone so glad you could join us damian Collado, gabby smith david dawson and with us now in studio dr terry ellis he is a founder of uh, chrysalis interventions here to chat about his catholic conversion as part of conversion corner uh prior to becoming an in- interventionist uh dr ellis served as a pastor at six different churches over the course of a 34-year period uh believe me he's got a lot of credentials <laughs> he holds a doctorate in greek a master's in biblical studies and a b.a in psychology Maybe he and I will be talking after we get off the air. I could use a little psychological help. Mm -hmm. He also has a blog called Grace Waves, and he's here to chat about all that and more. Good morning, Doc. Good morning, Damien. Good to be here. Good to have you. So how did one get to be a Catholic? First of all, what, what 
religion were you a part of? Was it Baptist or some Protestant religion? Right. I was, uh, I was adopted into a, a Baptist family, Southern Baptist family in Lexington, Kentucky. Oh. Back in, uh, well, we, we moved there in 1962, and I was born in 1958. And they were uh, just wonderful people. That's my family. And uh, they were yeah. good, good Southern Baptist people, very faithful. I was raised in a home where... You know, you get your first theology from your family, mm-hmm. uh, usually. And uh, the theology I got from my family was that God was good and loving and smiling. And uh, so I grew up with just a love of God and love of the church and love of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that as a nine-year-old little boy, I walked down the aisle of a Baptist church and took the pastor's hand and was fully immersed. Well, good. Mm-hmm. So you were immersed. baptized as a Baptist. That's right. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, so what took place after that? What, at what point did your conversion start to come about? What, what uh, were the triggering? To the Catholic Church? Yes. Well, I, I, as you said, I served as a, a Baptist pastor for 34 years. I, I taught, taught in seminary for, uh, before, before the pastorate. Um, but I had that 34-year career and then uh, resigned as a pastor back in 2016 and uh, began Chrysalis Interventions. Okay. Uh, actually, 2015 is when I re- uh, resigned. And um, I then just, uh, I'd always loved the Catholic Church. I'd always respected the Catholic Church and, uh, and then grew to love it, had good relations with local uh, priests and, and bishops in different places that I was uh, a pastor. And so I always just had a great, great uh, fondness for it. It's where mm-hmm. we all came from. I used to tell uh, churches that, you know, that's, we were all Catholic for 1,500 years. So, yeah, uh, that's true. There yeah. was no other church at the no, time. Yes. <laughs> so uh, what year are we talking when you finally made that step forward? The reason I ask is I have a very good friend in Lafayette who's a Baptist uh, minister and mm-hmm. has been for 40 years now. Uh, and he was always, he always teased me thinking he would get my goat about the Blessed Mother, Mary. Mm. And, uh, but, but it seemed like that was his hang-up more than anything else. Did you have any, any questions or concerns before you became Catholic? What, what was gnawing at you, if anything? Well, or know, what, was, no, what was the nothing, deciding Nothing was really factor? gnawing at me. I, I, I went to Manresa in 2019 for the first time and just loved Ignatian spirituality. Okay. And it was there— you, you, it's funny that you suggest that maybe you know there was a hang-up with Mary. Mary was really the key for me. I, oh, really? There's a beautiful, yeah, oh. there was a beautiful statue. There's several beautiful statues of Mary on the grounds. But there's what's one just beautiful statue. And uh, I came up to it very first day before we'd even started the silence. I was just wandering around looking at the grounds. Came upon this beautiful statue of Mary. And I literally, uh, I, I just stood before her and I said... Aloud, I said, I, I don't know what to think about you. Um, I, I, don't, I don't mean to be disrespectful. I don't even know if I should be praying to you, if I need to believe certain things before I can address you or pray to you. I don't know. I don't know. But I, I do love the idea of you. Wow. Nice. And so I'm open. Yeah. And uh, I just, as I look back on it, I felt her smile. It's not like that was a conversion moment sure. at all. Mm-hmm. It was just... Yeah, she's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Went back the next year and and before the same statue and said, "Well, I'm back again." And I've learned <laughs> I've learned since then that you're the mother of all Christians, and I think that's just beautiful that you were the mother of that little nine year old boy that walked down the aisle of a Baptist church, you know, a hundred years ago. And uh, so, 
the, the next year, went back again, stood before that same statue, and, and it, I was impressed. You know, I could pray the rosary. And uh, you, you, you could. You could do the Hail Marys. You, you knew the procedure of praying the rosary. You can do it, yeah. yeah. I mean, I so mean, you did. Yeah, yeah okay. that's right. Mm-hmm. I, I realized that you, know, you don't have to be a Catholic to pray the rosary. Exactly. Yeah. Right. It's a beautiful prayer. So I thought, well, let me learn the prayer. So I learned to pray the rosary. And I, and I said to her at that point, I said, I'll pray it every day. And I did. I just got into the rosary mm. and just fell in love with Mary through the rosary. So the, the short answer, Damien, is, you know, how did you become a Catholic? She prayed me into the church. Wow. Mary prayed me into really? the church. Wow. Yeah. That's I had a done beautiful all, story. I had done all the intellectual uh, weightlifting back in seminary. I, yeah. Know, again, um, you know, there, there are occasions when people will say, to me, well, you know, I read the Church Fathers. And that's what helped me to become. Right, a right. Well, I'd read the Church Fathers, but that's not. There was no revelation there. So okay. It's kind of like studying an oak tree and finding out it came from an acorn. Of yes. course, it was Catholic. They were Catholic, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I knew that and accepted that. Um, no, it was just a very personal encounter with Mary. So, what year now are we talking when you uh, took the leap of faith? This was uh, well three. Three years ago, three or four years ago, um, that's when I really, I could feel that I was being drawn, and I was just looking for the right way. I had met Father Paul. I, I talked to different ministers Is about my Yee? work. Father Paul, Paul Yee, Yee, Father Paul Yee in, okay. in St. George, mm-hmm. and uh, told uh, just told him about my work. I think I brought him uh, one of my books one time as a, as a gift. And then um, he, he came over, had dinner with us one night. We, we started going to St. George, attending there during COVID. Uh, uh, the Catholic churches were open. Mm-hmm. The church I attended was not and was just reluctant to open. And so, I, I, you know, we did the TV thing for a while, but I told, I told Leslie, my wife, one day, one Sunday morning, I said, I need to be in a sacred place. I need to be in a sacred place. What about the Eucharist? Well, uh, that well, we started going to St. George then, just as, as members. But members uh, you weren't Catholic yet. Then. No, 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 I was not so, Catholic okay. yet. But I just attended, and again, I loved the Catholic Church, loved the liturgy, loved learning. I love learning still and, and reading. And um, so I told Father Paul one day I vis- was visiting with him. I said, "I'm ready," and I said, "I'll do anything you want me to do." And uh, he said, "My wife had already been through RCIA for another reason, but." Um, he said, Terry, I don't think you need to go through RCIA. Mm-hmm. It's all right. You could probably teach it. <laughs> he said, uh, "He said we would just take you in in a, a, a private mass. And he, he looked in his calendar, and he said, what about March 25th? And uh, he said, that's the Feast of the Annunciation. And I thought, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. That's become my favorite decade oh, yeah. uh, when Mary said Mary's yes. Mary's again, yeah. Wow. So I'm saying yes. That's, yeah, that's, did, that was in uh, that was nearly two years ago. Did you have ago, any uh, issues knowing that the Eucharist was indeed the body and blood of Christ? No, because that, no, that, that's no. a tough one for even Catholics. It, it, it is, but I think you know if you just start with the earliest uh, accounts of it, it was something much more important than a symbol in the early church. It mm-hmm. was something much sure. more powerfully than a symbol. And if you read John chapter six. Um, he didn't back off of this is my body, this is my blood. Even right. given a chance to say, you know, to kind of soften it, he didn't. He just kept pressing in on it. So, and I realized as Baptists, we never did quite do justice to that passage. And uh, and then when you read it in the context of John, there's so much in the Gospel of John about union with God, becoming partakers with Him. And then the 
the Eucharistic passage there in John chapter 6 is just the key. This is how you do it. This is one of the main ways you become united with God, become yeah. one with him. Right. Because so it wasn't an issue. It was, a, it was a growing appreciation and finally a commitment. Sure, sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they wouldn't have walked away if they found it easier to take, if he would have explained something else, right? He could have said, he look, could, guys, this is a symbol. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, come back. But didn't. they walked away. Yeah. So yeah. there was a reason for that. He, yeah. he, didn't, he didn't say, I'm really a door. Absolutely. Yeah. He said, I'm, I'm <laughs> well, stick around, folks. It's uh, almost a qu- uh, 45 after the hour, but we're going to be back with some more of Dr. Terry Ellis as Wake Up continues. Eight past the hour, you are tuning your heart to the truth. I'm David Dawson, along with Damian Collado and Gabby Smith. And right now in our studios, we're going to continue with Dr. Terry Ellis. He's the founder of Chrysalis Intervention. That's a whole nother story and a whole nother interview that I can't wait to have with you because that is a beautiful, beautiful. And the books that you've written, too. You know, we, we'll, we'll have that. We'll have you back on to talk about that. But right now we're talking about your conversion story to go from becoming a Baptist minister of uh, how many different churches? Uh, six, six. Six different churches, and, and to come into the Catholic faith, I just found incredible. And I remember Father Paul Yee, that's uh, St. George Parish in Baton Rouge, telling me, you were across the room, we were, we were at the reception, and he was telling me your story, and it's like, my goodness, mm. I love, I love conversion stories. But your daughter, Lauren, was already converted to the Catholic faith? Yes, Lauren DeWitt. Now, how did that work out for you when she came up and said, Dad, I'm going to become Catholic? And you were still a Baptist minister, right? Or uh, were you? Let's see. I may have resigned by then. Okay. I can't recall exactly. But, uh, no, I had nothing but I'm just thrilled for her. Yeah. Uh, she, you know, every child needs to make the faith their own. They grow up in our families, and we nurture them and teach them and disciple them. At some point, they've got to say, this is, I stand. Here's where I stand. Okay. I'm planting my flag. Here. Yeah. And she is a very discerning, studious uh, person. I told her from an early, early age, I said, I think you were great, created for great faith. Mm-hmm. So uh, she mm-hmm. just gravitated toward a higher liturgy, and it just uh, she found all the answers in the Catholic Church. Well, how about your wife? Because, you you know, we, I, I see her every Sunday as well. Sure. And uh, was she always Catholic, too? No, no. She okay. was, uh, well, she, she came in the church the same time I did. Oh, okay. Yes. All right. Was, you know, we were raised Baptist, so she was a Baptist minister's wife the whole Whole, whole ride there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we were discerning together. She went with me to St. George, as I said, during COVID. And, and um, I was probably ahead of her in terms of I feel really pulled to this. Sure. But she went to RCIA that was taught by my daughter, oh, at well. Lady of Mercy, okay. to learn more about the Catholic faith so she could understand what the grandchildren are going to be experiencing and be supportive and, and understanding of them. Right? Oh, wow. And so she did that not as a way of saying, I'm, I'm interested in becoming a Catholic, but I'm just interested in learning. Just being educated by. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Okay. So we moved together on that. I, I would, you know, I don't, I can't. I, I say I don't think I would have become Catholic without her. I didn't want to jump ahead of her. Sure. That's what I'm doing. So we've always, you know, been kind of moved together on these things. And God brought us together at the right time to say this is this is the time. Now sometimes I hear stories also of other family members, relatives, your relatives, and such, and they 
they have a tough time. That's sometimes that's an obstacle too. Did you have that situation with surrounding family? No, no, I didn't. Uh, uh, my parents have passed away. Um, uh, no, it, it, that was not an issue. Okay. It just wasn't an issue. Okay, no. that's wonderful. What that's about good friends? Uh, any influence you to some degree they, once did, they found out? Did they influence me to become Conti- Catholic or, yeah, to or have questions about? Right. Uh, well, no, not really. I mean, I had been out of the pastor. I'd resigned as a pastor, so I did not have that immediate uh, what our, our pastor, he was last year, he was a pastor of Baptist Church, and now he's become a Catholic. It wasn't right. quite like that. There was a little bit of insulation, chronological yeah. insulation between okay. resigned as a pastor, now I'm an interventionist. Mm-hmm. And so there was a few years in there. Yeah. So that gave me some insulation. But no, I did not get any, uh, certainly didn't get any uh, resistance from yeah. former friends. They're curious. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so, glad to talk to them. Sounds though. like the COVID era actually allowed you to do some soul searching. It did. It again. It gave us the opportunity to come to a beautiful church. I love the. I love the beauty of the Catholic Church. And I always said, you know, whatever you think about Catholics, they do beauty well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, it it's in St. George's a beautiful church. It is a beautiful oh. church. Yes. And and symbolism has always been important to me. Uh, meaning has been really important to me. Infused places, places infused by the Spirit. That's I'm drawn to that. Mm-hmm. But now, now we are. Steeped with tradition, okay. Any obstacles there? Did you have any situations there where you were confused or? No, not really. You know, Baptist, uh, in spite of uh, their protestations, we're governed by a lot of tradition, things yeah. that we grow up with and that we've done the same way, and informed by some of our, you know, ancestors, Baptist ancestors. So everybody has tra- uh, tradition that is uh, informing their belief. And as Baptists, we were inheritors of a lot of that tradition. Yeah. Although they might be reluctant to acknowledge that, I certainly never was. But they, you know, some are. Mm-hmm. You know, we were. No, I, I had no no problem with that at all. These were studied men and women who gave us reflections on the faith for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. So you've been a Catholic for how many years now? Two. Two, two, two years. years. Yeah. How have you grown in your faith? Uh, through the Eucharist, uh, just the the idea when I go up and I go to morning mass, early morning mass, mm-hmm. and just about every time I'm conscious of of taking the host and receiving the chalice, and I'm thinking degree by degree I'm being conformed to the image of Christ. This is my body. This is my blood. This is Christ that I'm taking in me that is in some powerful way transforming me inwardly and outwardly. So the Eucharist has been a, a major part of that. I continue to pray the rosary every day. Uh, just the traditions of the Catholic Church, learning about it. I'm a reader, and yeah. so I enjoy that. And a writer. And a writer. <laughs> and a writer. But yeah. what's yeah. interesting is you said right before we went on the air that you went to Manresa for your annual retreat, I guess, or you, you've been going for a while, and then you made the Axe retreat. Oh, just last week. It's the way it worked yeah. out. I, yeah, I go to the same. <laughs> so you are know. definitely learning, and you're getting. <laughs> I'm learning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my annual uh, Manresa retreat is the same. Well, it's a you know we're going to have the same uh, time every year, mm-hmm. and the way it worked out, I went to Manresa from Sunday to Wednesday, and then Axe from Thursday to Sunday. 
And so uh, I told David earlier, I said, I've got no excuse now to, to be anything other than I thought, I a little better than I was a, a week ago. I thought there was a strong glow coming from you when you walked in the door. So I was going to ask you to put on a veil, but that's, yeah. a, that's a whole other... Uh... Yeah, I think. <laughs> well, Dr. Terry Ellis, you, you, you have other experiences that are very amazing, and, and I would like to cover that. We have had you on before, uh, but, but th this story does need repeating, and we will talk about that. You're, you're becoming a founder of Chrysalis of Invention. Uh, chrysalis interventions because of yours ex your experiences and what you've gone through and that's right. an incredible book that you've written called reasonable no reasonably happy reasonably happy mm -hmm. thank you thank yeah. you that you've written that book it's so, on the serenity prayer it's it's just amazing that i'm talking to a guy who used to be a baptist minister of many churches and then you're the devout very devout catholic and and how you're you're living your Catholic faith, you know. So. Well, thank you, Dave. And I would, I would add, you know, for any Protestant listeners that are out there, I'm very grateful for my Baptist background. I, yeah. I, I left nothing behind when I became Catholic. It's kind of like the aperture opened more, and I was mm -hmm. able to, to take in more light from a lot of different traditions. But I'm, I'm a grateful former Baptist, and I'm a grateful present Catholic. Beautiful. And Beautiful. if there's a Protestant out there, how do they get in touch with you, Doc? Because oh, you'd be a good one to oh, speak with. Oh, sure. I, 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 you know, I, I'm not. I mean, I'm very public. Uh, you can look up Chrysalis Interventions. Mm -hmm. uh, my number is on there, and I'm I'm glad to share it. It's two two five four zero five zero seven nine seven two two five four zero five zero seven nine seven. I'd be glad to talk with anybody, especially about that. Okay. And also, if they've got family members that are struggling with drugs or alcohol, of course, okay. I'm there. There you go, Doctor Terry Ellis. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, God indeed. bless you. Thank Please you, David. Thank, Thank you, David. We're going to close our show, as we always do, with a prayer in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. O good St. Gabriel of the Sorrowful Virgin, you were taught by God to love the passion of Jesus and to remember the sorrows of Mary, his mother. By her side, you stood by the cross of Jesus and shared in her compassion. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for joining us. We'll catch you back here tomorrow at 7 a.m. Central Time. Peter Finney with the Clarion Herald will give us an update of what you'll be finding in this week's issue in the Archdiocese of New Orleans. Dr. John Bruchowski, former abortionist, will tell us about his story to becoming pro-life. Dr. Jordan Haddad with Notre Dame Seminary will give us a theology lesson and so much more. Thank you so much, Jeff Blackwell, our audio director, Karen Cotton, our video de technical director, and special guest today in the production room, Mocha. Have a wonderful Tuesday. God bless. Wake Up is a production of Catholic Community Media.